Hey, Sarah. Hey, Mark. Have you ever snuck in somewhere that you don't belong? Uh, one time when I was in high school, I crashed a Super Bowl party because they looked like they had really good snacks. But I'm pretty sure it was hosted by a church group, and I think they kind of wanted strangers to crash the party. But if you're asking if I've ever been somewhere that I felt like I didn't belong, that's a whole other answer. I think we all share that answer. It's time to talk about imposter syndrome. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. everyone. Welcome to Successfulish. I'm Sarah and Michelle hanging out with my co-host Mark Mail. And tonight we are talking about imposter syndrome. And if you're not familiar with this term, it's sort of become one of those buzzword catchphrases in the business world uh, in the last couple of years. And um, it's probably the fault of a TED talk. Uh, but imposter Everything is. I know, Ted is changing the world, right? <laughs> Spreading those new ideas. Um, imposter syndrome can be defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. Um, that definition coming from the Harvard Business Review, there's a few different variations, but essentially it's that feeling of being invited to a party and feeling like even though you've been invited, you just do not belong on the guest list. And I think that this is an interesting concept, especially in terms of success, because you would think that the antidote to this imposter syndrome would be found in greater levels of success and achievement, but research actually shows the opposite, that the greater levels of success that people have in life the more loudly and prominently they experience imposter syndrome. So if you hear this voice of doubt loudly in your head, um, congratulations, that probably means you're wicked successful. Um, and I think that this is something, um, it's an interesting concept that this was sort of what launched the successful-ish concept and podcast. It's what launched my speaking career. It was the first real signature talk that I ever gave without even realizing that that's what it was going to become was all about wrestling through imposter syndrome and learning how to talk back to it. And for me, I, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail. You can listen to the, the Meet Sarah episode um, in season one if you want to hear my whole story. But long story short, um, I was in a place in life where I had this business in my lap that I had no idea what I was doing. I was trying to figure it out. Um, I was recovering from an emotionally abusive relationship. I was recovering from some toxic um, faith associations. Like my, just my entire world was sort of um, deconstructing and changing in front of me. And as I was trying to figure out how to survive, how to make income, how to figure out life as a newly single person, how to figure out new life 
with all my plans just sort of going out the window. Um, I definitely experienced imposter syndrome really loudly where I just felt like I wasn't qualified and I was constantly disqualifying myself with all kinds of different things. Um, you know, the buts, justs, and onlys um, are sort of the lions and tigers and bears, I think, of, that keep us back from success. And it's sort of that when we have these accomplishments, but we dismiss them with, but, you know, it doesn't really count. Or, well, it was just this. It's not that big of a deal. Or, well, it was only that. It's, you know, it's not that worthy of celebrating. And I think that those things were really dismissing all these accomplishments that I was making. And I'm a fairly ambitious person. I tend to be all or none. And I was so far away from the end goal of what I was trying to go after that I was missing all these huge steps that I was taking to try to get there. Um, and that was sort of my personal experience with imposter syndrome and realizing that I was actually a very accomplished woman and I was actually earning my success and it was a process of figuring out how to recognize that, how to talk back to imposter syndrome, um, which I'll share a few tips later in this episode. But for me, it really took a lot of effort of being able to identify that that was happening and then be really honest with myself of acknowledging when I needed to accept that I was at a party that I should be at. Um, so I'm curious, Mark, have you ever experienced imposter syndrome or those voices of doubt? Uh, and if so, what does that look like in your life? I think in my life, the method that imposter syndrome used to invade my thoughts was a little, a little different. Um, for me, uh, working in pest control, it's a, it's an industry with very low barriers to entry. And so we get tons and tons of competition. Any guy with a truck and a willingness to go talk to the Department of Ag, take a test, hey, you're a pest control operator now. Good luck. Um, and so with a, a field with pages and pages and pages of competitors in the yellow pages, if anybody uses that anymore, um, I, throughout the process, have been surprised time in and time out and get nervous about why is this so easy? Like, I, this sounds super arrogant. It sounds so backwards for an imposter syndrome discussion. But here's the thing. Every time I think it's easy, it's, well, does it, that mean I'm wasting my time? I'm not using my time well enough. Am I leaving money on the table? Could I be doing more? Because if I can you know, grow my business this effectively, just doing what I'm doing. What if I did it better? How come, you know? Yeah, you got the ambition suspicion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so that's where, where my imposter syndrome festers and takes root. And even today, it still is there. And normally I shut up by saying, yeah, you're right. Okay, now what? <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I think that's a big piece of it too. And especially, you know, I, I work in the, the business industry as a brand strategist. I work with a lot of different business owners and a lot of who I worked with, particularly when I was starting, was with brand new business owners um, yeah. who were just kind of in the idea phase or in the concept phase. And I think that I don't know that I would have associated that as imposter syndrome, but I can sort of see that of a lot of times people were hesitant to charge for some kind of service because it was so easy for them. They didn't think that it was something that people would pay for. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, to pay for. I can relate to that. I, so in the middle of um, me trying to figure out what the heck I was doing, you were one of the people that I called because I knew that you had a successful business. And I don't know how many hours we spent on the phone talking about your business and your brand strategy and, you know, just hours of strategizing and marketing ideas and, you know, all these things. And then I sent you, I don't even know, like a novel of notes. Um, and then a proposal for some next steps. And you were one of the first people that was like, Sarah, you gotta stop giving this to me for free. <laughs> like you gotta start charging me for your time. You're basically doing work for me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, well, who's gonna pay for ideas? Ideas don't do anything. Like people are gonna pay me if I, you know, build their website or if I write their content, if there's something tangible, if there's a product, if there's something that they can touch, you know, nobody's gonna pay me for my brain. Nobody's gonna pay me for my thoughts and my ideas. Um, and for me, identity, brand strategy, creative marketing, brainstorming, those are things that are super fun. I'm a total geek in those things. I would voluntarily spend a Saturday in a room with post-it notes and a whiteboard and just brainstorming and idea shooting and strategizing. Um, I just think that's fun and it's easy. It's, it's something that, you know, I put all of my energy and heart and soul into. It's not something I'm lazy about, but it's not something that I have to necessarily work at. And I think that for most people, when you can find that thing that you are really good at, a lot of people take for granted that not everyone in the world is good at that thing. Yeah. You no, know, I, there are other people, it's your superpower. The thing that you are really good at and enjoy doing that other people hate doing, can't wrap their head around like that's the sweet spot. That's where you need to market yourself and where you need to push yourself because that's what people are looking for. That's basically, I, I believe every person has a very uniquely knit strand of DNA. Everyone has specific talents and passions that kind of weirdly poetically align with our personal and professional experiences. And I think when we can find that core thing that's where we can really hone in and become really successful mm -hmm. so one interesting thing about imposter syndrome as well is that this term i feel like is often used with women 
And I don't know if it's a gender thing or if it's a personality thing, um, but I know when I was traveling and speaking nationally about this, I had several women come up to me afterwards, you know, sort of with this <laughs> slightly feministic rage, and they would say things like, well, I don't understand, like, why men don't experience this. Why is it that as women, we're constantly disqualifying ourselves and thinking we're not good enough and men just go in not qualified at all and they just assume they can do it. And I thought that it was an interesting critique um, because I do work with a lot of men and I do have a lot of male friends and I don't think that it's accurate. I think that in my perspective, men and women handle imposter syndrome a little bit differently. I think that there is definitely some truth to, um, you know, statistically with job applications, for example, women will have nine out of 10 qualifications and not go for the job because they don't feel like they're qualified. Men will have one or two of the 10 and they'll go for it because they just assume they'll figure it out. And I can speculate and postulate. I have no idea, guys, I'm not a researcher. This is just my uneducated speculation. Um, I personally think it goes a lot to cultural upbringing. I think that I was raised in a generation of boys will be boys. And it was sort of expected, boys will make mistakes, boys will have broken bones, boys will get dirty. Um, boys might be mean, but girls, it was, you know, be careful, be cautious, don't hurt yourself. And I think I saw that a lot growing up where boys were really encouraged to just do stuff and it was just expected that they were going to fail and that was fine because boys would be boys. Whereas with girls, it was much more pressure of you better know what you're doing before you do it because you need to be safe. You need to make sure that you're going to be successful before you ever try. And I see that dichotomy playing out. And I think that where I see the imposter syndrome for women is that we can disqualify ourselves before ever trying something. And where I see it for men, and again, this is a generalization and probably has much more to do with culture and um, personality than actual gender biology, but where I see it largely with men is that they will go do the thing and figure it out, but they will wrestle internally with the feelings of self-doubt and all of that afterwards. And, you know, I, I have joked before um, that the most fragile substance on this planet is the male ego. And I... I don't mean that offensively, but y'all, the male ego <laughs> is fragile. And there are guys who seem like the most macho person on the planet. And man, you make one joke and it just like punctures. And it's something that I've had to be really mindful of because I'm a very sarcastic person. And I have, my whole life has been spent in sarcasm and criticism and I have a very thick skin. I have a very sarcastic sense of humor. Um, it actually takes a lot to sort of get to me. And it's interesting. Sometimes I think that we assume that people know that they are as successful as we perceive them to be when internally 
they actually have a lot of anxieties and insecurities. So it's funny you mentioned that you're not a researcher because whenever you talk about this subject, the men versus women part, and you, you talk about women having nine boxes checked and feeling unqualified and the man coming in with two boxes checked and feeling like he is qualified. Well, clearly, you know, the Dunning-Kruger effect kind of explains all of it. Um, you know, as you get more confident or as you gain more knowledge and more wisdom on a topic, your confidence first peaks and then crashes down and then slowly builds back up over time, according to the, the Dunning-Kruger effect. And it seems like guys are willing to charge in and happy to charge in as they reach the peak of Mount Stupid. You know, as their confidence peaks, when they know just enough to think they're an expert on a subject, well, they'll, they'll go ahead and turn in that resume for a job they clearly don't belong working. Uh, whereas the woman, maybe she wants to make sure the resume actually fits all of the requirements that uh, maybe Mr. Applicant didn't read over all of. Um, and by the time she gets through the process to the point where she could hand it in, maybe she's gained enough understanding, enough wisdom on this uh, subject to be past the peak amount stupid and understand to know how much she doesn't know, to realize that, oh gosh, there's still so much more for me to learn on this topic. Uh, so it's that brash, foolhardy ignorance that, that'll let men charge in and ignore the effects of uh, imposter syndrome and then figure it out later that, oh, hey, I really don't know anything here. Hey, I, I, I don't belong here. As they, after they have the job, they, they find themselves in the, the valley of despair part before they start climbing the, the slope. It's interesting, and you know, I'll we'll post a, a picture of the diagram on the Facebook page so you can reference this because um, I had never heard of this before this conversation. And when it, Mark was first telling me about this, I sort of thought, oh, it's the opposite of imposter syndrome. It's the total opposite of feeling overconfident. And I think, I think it's more so we all kind of go through the same pattern it just depends on where we hit the curves mm -hmm. because I think that there is something to be said for that person who rushes in in the the peak of stupid as it's called and just goes for it and then maybe realizes afterwards oh I didn't know as much as I thought I did um and then there's the person who I think is a little bit more like myself that sort of cautiously goes in probably knows more than we give ourselves credit for um but let me tell you you don't know confidence like the person who has come out the other side of imposter syndrome oh absolutely the person who the so the example that comes to mind is jennifer lopez i love j-lo um i just oh who, who doesn't? I don't know. I, if you don't, I don't really want to hear it. I think she's amazing. Um, but the reason she comes to mind is because if you don't know much about her story, she grew up in the Bronx, you know, Jenny from the block, and really came from nothing. And she got her big break through Selena, the movie, where she was um, imitating uh, the former singer, Selena. This was a very big deal. The family 
had chosen Jennifer Lopez. She was the only one they felt comfortable with. Um, and she has built her career up since and been very successful in that. And what I think is really interesting is that if you watch her through the years, you sort of see her keep her roots, keep her humility and all of that in check. When she performed at the large football stage, something changed in her. And when you watch her talk now, she almost has this attitude of, I don't care. Like, how dare you come at me trying to tell me that I'm a diva, trying to tell me that I'm spoiled. Like, she has this deeply embedded confidence that she has earned her place. It was not given to her. It was not handed to her. She knows the hours of work that she put in. She knows the effort that it took. She knows the criticism that she's put in. She knows the sacrifices she's made. She knows that she has earned her place at that table. And I think that that is something that, um, you know, obviously I'm nowhere near the level of Jennifer Lopez, not even going to pretend to be, but I have seen that in my own life, in my business, where there are certain places where I have come out the other side of imposter syndrome. And those are the places that I find the most confidence in being able to say, no, I know that I earned this. I know that I did the work. I know that it wasn't handed to me. I know that it wasn't easy. I know that I'm not going to let my critics rag on me and say things about how, um, how easy things are or, oh, look at her living her perfect Instagram life because I know what's been behind the scenes to make that happen. And I think a lot of times we sort of hate on the happy and we hate on success. And, you know, we want to sort of, we want to be angry at people for having a good life. We want to look at it and be like, well, they're probably super miserable. Well, they're probably super spoiled. Well, you know, it was probably just handed to them. Um, and I think that you sort of reach a point when you have earned that happiness of, realizing, you know what, it really doesn't matter what someone else thinks. Like I've, I've earned my space here. I am not going to apologize for taking a morning off or going on a vacation or posting about this luxury thing that I invested in because I know that I've earned it. I know that I've put the work in. And so I think that it's interesting just where we all come in and out of that spectrum of of insecurities and confidence and sort of finding our place in the balance of it all. You don't have to feel bad about what you've accomplished. You don't have to feel bad. You don't have to feel guilt over success. Uh, but because people are jealous, because people want to feel better about themselves, it's so much easier to cast dispersions at those that are more successful or more happy than they are. Yeah. So one thing that um, was really helpful for me that I, I started sharing in my speaking was talking back to imposter syndrome and what that looks like. Because I think that there's a lot of motivational speakers and a lot of um, this power of positive thinking where we just sort of feel like, well, we'll just tell ourselves that we're awesome. 
Like, I'm just going to knock it off. When I have those voices of doubt telling me that I'm not good enough or that I don't belong, I'm just going to say, oh, no, you're awesome. You do belong. And I think the problem with that is that our subconscious is very intelligent. <laughs> and when we try to cover a deeply rooted insecurity with a surface platitude, our subconscious kind of chimes in and says, hey, like, stop bullshitting me. I know that you don't actually believe this. I know that you don't actually believe that you belong here. And talking back to imposter syndrome was something that was really helpful for me. And so the example that I give, um, one of my disqualifiers was that I wasn't a real CEO and that my business Honey Map wasn't a real business because of whatever reasons. You know, I didn't have an office. I didn't have employees. I wasn't making six figures. Um, I had a roommate and was eating off-brand ramen and I just didn't feel like CEOs had roommates and ate off-brand ramen. Uh, and when I learned to talk back to it, I wrote down this phrase. I used to think that I'm not a real CEO. I used to think Honey Map wasn't a real business. And then I asked it, okay, who says? What's the evidence? Why is this a true statement? And what I found was that in researching other CEOs of huge companies, most of them had really rocky starts. You know, the CEOs of, or the founders of um, Life is Good lived in a van for over a year. They had, I don't know how many failed products before they accidentally stumbled across the Life is Good t-shirt. Um, Walt Disney was a failure. Starbucks was a failure. Um, Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos started in garages. And I had all this evidence that suggested, okay, what is a CEO? A CEO is just the chief executive officer. It's the person who makes the decisions. By definition, I am that person. I am the CEO. There's really no arguing that. I can't be an imposter. That's just, it's a fact. It's not a brag to call myself a CEO. I might not be a very reputable CEO. I might not be a super successful CEO, but I am one nonetheless. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with having a real business, you know, if your name is on the LLC, if you went down to the town clerk and you paid your fee and you legalized it, it is a real business. And so I would flip over my note card that said, I used to think I'm not a real CEO. And I would write, but now I know I am a real CEO because this is the definition and this is what I do. And that has been really power, powerful um, through the voices of insecurities and doubts that I have internally and also through things that other people tell me to be able to sort of hold it in front of me and to say, okay, is this true? Is this a true thing? And often it's just an insecurity and I can dismiss it. Sometimes it needs to be converted into a goal. Um, you know, you can just put yet at the end of it. I am not, you know, making X amount of income or I'm not at this place yet, but here's what I'm going to do to get there. And that process can sort of keep us from disqualifying ourselves. Um, on the flip side of that, I want to ask the question um, because I, I do believe that, you know, largely imposter syndrome is that thing where we are qualified and we just talk ourselves into feeling like we're not. But what if you really are an imposter? What if you don't belong at the table? I want to talk about that because there's this idea of 
fake it till you make it. Um, there's this idea of just showing up and, you know, looking the part. Um, so what do you think about that, about that sort of fake it till you make it and sort of showing up and maybe being a little bit of an imposter? Do you think that that is okay? Do you think that that is a necessary or okay part of success? Yeah, I think the big thing is everybody has to start somewhere just because you're, you know, back to your point of the, the qualifier yet going on the, the, the imposter syndrome thoughts. You know, we all have to start at the beginning. We, we don't, I mean, all right, maybe not all of us, some people get to start with, you know, trust funds and all that nonsense, but most of us have to start at the beginning. And yeah, we, we, we don't have all of the advantages that our competitors or all the advantages that the other people we see around us might have yet. Um, and kind of to, you know, I think the same answer for talking back to imposter syndrome really kind of ties into what if you really are an imposter? You know, my dad and I talk about it. We refer to it as reading the mail. Um, when we are analyzing our business, part of what we do is look at what we've done and how people are reacting to it. Um, and some of that is positive. Some of it's, you know, we have lots and lots of five-star reviews out there. Some of it's negative. You know, we have a, a claim here and there. We, we have people that need more from us and we need to address those. And th so those are really concrete examples in our experience of, you know, w when we're doing it right, when we're feeling like imposters, when we actually are behaving like imposters, when, when there's things we need to fix. Um, and it, it ties into that idea of being a real business. It ties into that idea of doing things the right way, or at least as right as we can until we can do them the right way. Yeah, I, it's a really interesting. So I, I personally don't like the expression, fake it till you make it. <laughs> um, as a, a brand strategist, identity strategist, honesty is such an important thing to me that um, the idea of faking it just makes me angry. Um, I, I have uh, done the quote before, faith it till you make it. I like that one a little bit better. Um, you know, I think that, I think that there's an aspect of being an imposter that is okay if you are committed to the role. I think that there, there is a, an ethical dilemma of, you know, there are sometimes, um, I, I don't mean to uh, throw shade at a particular generalization, but I see this a lot with coaches. <laughs> there are a lot of people out there who are coaches, whether they're a business coach or health coach or a relationship coach, and they charge crazy amounts of money and they promise all these things of, hey, join my $10,000 coaching program. Um, many of them don't have any certifications and like, I'll be the first to say that you don't need a certification to be intelligent and to be able to coach someone effectively. Um, 
but you got to have something if you're going to charge that kind of money. And I mm -hmm. see a lot of that, those imposters in that type of industry or in the business world where people are promising something that they have no intentions of delivering on or that they have never delivered on. And I think that it is totally okay to, to have big aspirations to want to be a, you know, six figure, seven figure coach or business owner, thought leader, author, whatever, but you have to be okay with earning your way there. Absolutely. If you're, if you're going to be, and I think that's a lot of the struggle of, um, when I work with business owners, one of the biggest struggles that we work through is how do they pick their price points? How do they price their programs? And especially for the solopreneur who hasn't productized where they are their business and they can only scale themselves so far, they're trying to generate an entire salaried income just based on what they can do, which means they need to charge a lot for what they do. And that is totally okay, but you need to have some evidence. I think that you need to prove that you can do it for yourself. I think you need to prove that you can do it for other people. And it's okay to have that, that step of humility in the beginning of, you know, even um, launching HoneyMap, I, I gave crazy discounts to different business owners when I was starting. And it was businesses that I really wanted to work with. And I would tell them, hey, like, I know that I can help you. I know that this is going to work. If I give you this crazy rate, will you just try this out? so that I can build the credibility, so that I can use this as a case study. And as I built my reputation, I was able to charge more because I had the evidence to show, hey, this isn't just a concept, this isn't just a theory, it actually works. And I think that the, the being an imposter, if you know that you are offering something you can't deliver on, if you know that you are misrepresenting who you are and how you can help someone, I think that that is incredibly unethical and dishonest. And I think that there may be times in life where we need to sort of have a piece of humble pie and acknowledge that we, we have not earned a success title yet. That's okay. That doesn't make us a failure but just lying to people, lying to ourselves and telling ourselves that we're more successful than we are, I think causes more stress and damage than it does with benefit. I think that if we are committed to the role that we're stepping into, I think it's okay to sort of, you know, play Cinderella for a night. I think it's okay to put on the pretty clothes if we know that we are capable of embracing that role, if we know that we are capable of following through, if we just have the opportunity. Um, and I think what's interesting too, is that this idea of being an imposter can sometimes split our identity, can be an identity crisis. If we, um, you know, are, we are one person, but we're presenting ourselves a different way. And I think sometimes those lines get blurred. And even with, uh, with actors or people who are in that type of industry, they'll talk about how sometimes it's a challenge because you play so many different characters, they kind of get blurred and you 
you don't always know who you really are because you've absorbed so much of these other people that you're trying to be or these other people that you're supposed to be. And so I think that that's really important as well for our success is that if we are going to show up as an imposter, if we are going to try to break into an industry, I think we need to be mindful of who we are pretending to be before we accidentally become that person. Or, you know, if you have kids before you accidentally pass that on to someone else, you know, kids are little lie detectors. They see all of that and they are going to pick up on that. Um, and so I think that, I think that the honesty factor is really important and the self-awareness and I think above all to be successful, whether or not we are stepping into a room that we've been invited to or haven't, I think that that commitment to being authentically ourselves and knowing what we're doing and knowing the consequences of that is a really important component to our success. I still think though that there's a big difference between pretending to be something that you're not and just feigning confidence. It's, it's one thing to step into a room and talk like an expert, even though you kind of only know some of the details, just so you can exude that confidence as opposed to claiming to be an expert and still spouting the same I tiny totally little bit of agree. information. I totally agree. And that, that is kind of the point that I was trying to make in my long-winded diatribe. Um, <laughs> I think that confidence is not about knowing what you're doing. I think that that is a lie that holds us back. I think that if we think that we have to be confident to do something, and I think that if we think that we have to know what we're doing before we can ever do it, we'll never do it because we're human and none of us always know what we're doing all the time. I think it's not about faking confidence. It's about having enough self-assurance that when I step up to the plate, I will figure it out. Mm-hmm even if I get knocked down, even if I fail miserably, even if I have no idea what the hell I'm doing, I will figure it out. I will find a way to make it work. I will find a way to keep myself safe and anyone else that has come on this ship with me. I know I'm mixing a million different analogies, sports and boating and whatever. But basically, if you get knocked down, you'll get up again. Yeah, You're never going to keep you down. It out. It's a commitment to it. And that is what good leadership is about. It's not about showing up saying, I know all the answers. It's about saying, I will make it okay. And I think that is a huge distinction. And I think that, you know, that it's similar of um, this idea of being fearless. I don't really believe in being fearless. Um, fear is a good thing. Anxiety is a good thing. The fight or flight is something that was put in us so that we don't get eaten by bears. And, you know, that's a good thing. I don't want to be eaten by a bear. I need to have that fear and that anxiety. I think that, it just needs to be balanced with knowing risk and reward. And it needs to be balanced with that element of leadership and being able to say, I know what I'm going after and I may be terrified, but I'll be okay. And I'll make sure you're okay. 
I'm going to do everything in my power to make this work, even if it has to work, you know, differently than the plan that I thought of. Um, so I think that that is a really important distinction. Absolutely. So we would love to hear from any of you who are listening. Do you wrestle with imposter syndrome or are you in the Dunning-Kruger effect with the peak of Mount Stupid? Um, where are you at in this spectrum? How do you process these feelings? Um, what does that look like for you? We would love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at embracetheish at gmail.com or hang out with us online at successfulish.com or Facebook at Embrace the Ish. See you soon. Success and failure, none of opposite ends. Curveball hits, gotta know where to bend. The attitude will affect destination. Interview determines when you're gonna make it. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successfulish. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successfulish. Hey, successfulish. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back. Reinvest hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve Successfulish Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete Successfulish Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of see Successfulish Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve Successfulish Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve All this weight on my arms need both flex In this race, but behind need more steps Had a sort of learning curve, hope I don't crash Hit your nerves when reserves got low cash When I fail, realize that it won't last You made it through in the past, just Look back, successfulish, you can see how the contrast fires and wins Use the past and the bounce back You can never win if you never go and do it Failure is a hard road, rarely ever cruising Embracing all my wins with a handful of losing Expect the drought season when the plan's going fluent I can never really feel, it's all how you view it It's all a lesson, just depends how you use it Gather all the data and keep it all exclusive Never ending journey and the growth is therapeutic My identity is not in what you see, I am the better me Mistakes others make, I see Have a teacher me Compare yourself to others, it's an insult to tragedy We will make unique, gotta use again collectively Broke down my goals in a few look Toesome. Can't take it back cause you already spoke em. Easily regressive, you don't stay focused Focus, live between success every moment Successfulish Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete I'm successfulish Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of see I'm successfulish Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve Successfulish Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve Successfulish Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete Successfulish Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of See, I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve.